Hey, what's up, geeks? It's Frank with GBN, uh, bringing you one of our first installments of the Comic Book Geeks broadcast. Yesterday, X-Men Gold number one came out, and it's a whole new relaunch of all of the X-Men titles, uh, switching over from their previous uh, all-new X-Men, Extraordinary X-Men, um, and some of the smaller titles that they had running for the past few months. Um, they're still going to stick around with All-New Wolverine and Old Man Logan, but they're going to be creating uh, X-Men Gold, X-Men Blue. There's going to be a Jean Grey uh, solo series and an Iceman solo series, Cable, Generation X. They're really trying to hit on the 90s nostalgia of the X-Men when they were at their, their height. We all love the X-Men cartoon. We all know that theme song by heart. And so what they're doing is they're really writing stories in the vein of, I know I just said 90s, but in the vein of 70s Chris Claremont, which is where a lot of the 90s storylines kind of take their vibes from. Uh, and it's it's getting back down to the basics of the X-Men as heroes, as opposed to hiding off on an island, you know, outside of San Francisco or hiding out in limbo. Um, being on the, the, the low-key scale where they're where they're always dealing with internal conflict or a battle against the Avengers or the Inhumans. They're trying to pull away from that and really just give us a super heroic X-Men tale. And so Mark Gungenheim, excuse me if I mispronounced that, but uh, he's the writer. You may know him from, I believe, one of the DC shows. I forget, Green Arrow or something. Um, and then Adrian Sayaf is the artist, and his art is super crisp, super detail oriented very very you know i know he doesn't do the colors but it, it, you know once it's colored and inked it's very bright and exciting and mark's writing it hits it on the head it hits the nail on the head in terms of just giving us exactly what we want of an x-men story his mission statement as he wrote at the end of the book uh, is as straightforward as the title of our first arc back to the basics after no more mutants and utopias and mosaic complexes and AVXs and ease for extinction and Terrigen mists, the X-Men are no longer facing some existential threat, which means they're free to cut loose and go back to saving people. Now, just to give you an idea of what happened in X-Men Gold, it, it opens up with a, a talking head TV host giving you her opinion on why the world should fear mutants and why the X-Genome uh, is something to be worried about. Uh, she's kind of like our modern-day Senator Robert Kelly, who was always trying to stir fear in in the you know population against mutants, and it always gave us kind of that mainstream populist leader who was not necessarily a villain. He's not a uh, you know an apocalypse or a Mister Sinister Robert Kelly, but he's the real-world human being villain, the one that creates the mass hysteria and the prejudice against mutants same way someone would create mass hysteria or prejudice against muslims or any other ethnicity or or group of people uh you can't really fight that person because all they're doing is sharing ideas and you could see that whoever this tv host is which i don't believe they named throughout the book is going to play that role throughout this series i'm sure she's going to be a reoccurring character and maybe we'll even meet her outside of the television screen but after the first page where we see her talking we immediately jump 
to the new X team, which is Kitty Pride, Old Man Logan, Nightcrawler, Prestige, which is Rachel Gray's new codename, Colossus, and Storm. And Kitty is actually the leader. She's grown quite a bit since she initially became an X-Men, and she's now a peer with Storm and with Logan, as opposed to being looked at as the kid of the team. And uh, as they're approaching uh, Terax, which is the villain they're about to fight, Kitty says, to me, my X-Men, which is a throwback to what Xavier would say. Uh, and Logan teases that she's always wanted to say that. So we see a quick battle against Terex where uh, Kitty really shows her massive uh, ability to, to use her powers in that she phases an entire uh, skyscraper. As the skyscraper's falling, she phases it so it causes no damage to the buildings around it. And that's really... I think larger scale than any other time we've ever seen her use her powers. So it's such a simple, quick scene, but it, it really lays the groundwork for where Kitty's going to be going. Um, after the fight is done, uh, you know, Logan and Prestige take Terex out. Kitty saves the day with, you know, phasing the building. Uh, and then at the end of the fight, Storm is the first to comment that if this were the Avengers or the champions, the crowd around them would be cheering. However, when Kitty goes to talk to the crowd and ask if anyone needs any help or if anyone's hurt, a little girl says, I'm fine. And her mom instinctively says, don't talk to it, dear, referring to Kitty as an it, as if it's as if Kitty's an animal. And I know that's silly to say because Kitty cat, but as if Kitty pride is an animal, this lady is showing her deeply seeded racism or prejudice or bigotry towards mutants she's not yelling or throwing something or she's not with a pitchfork or a, a torch she's literally telling her daughter don't talk to it as if that's something normal to say it's like hearing your grandparents call a an african-american excuse me for saying this a colored person it's one of those things where it's like embedded in this person's culture to say it, not even knowing that what she's saying is horrendously wrong. And it, it really, I feel like, is the most down-to-earth we've seen the bigotry towards the X-Men in a long time. Usually it turns into huge sentinels attacking them and uh, programs where they're trying to be round up and put into internment camps. But this is the ground-level, everyday mom-and-pop racism that could become part of real life in no time against any group of people being shown in such a legitimate way against the X-Men. So, you know, once they move on from that, we get the classic baseball game or softball game. This is where you know that you're going for that good old feeling when you see the X-Men in a, a, a park playing softball. We're trying to, to rebrand this as... Um, you know, classic X-Men tales. And that's the way that, that they visually show you, you know, we're going back to basics. And the game is, is only two pages long. And, and we find out that they're actually in the middle of Central Park, where the, the mansion had been transported from Limbo to Central Park. And Kitty had to sign off on a bunch of paperwork with the mayor. But someone from the mayor's office shows up to, to actually hand over a bill um, the lease payment that they would have to pay for this land, and it's $18 million. It's a really quick scene, but obviously it's going to have to be addressed at some point. How is Kitty Pride going to you know, round up $18 million to pay for this bill? And again, one of those things where we're not talking about you know, onslaught 
or you know the brotherhood of evil mutants but we're talking about the local new york city government being the enemy of the x-men in this and not necessarily an enemy everyone has to pay their taxes everyone has to pay their bills but it's one of those stories wherein um the more traditional x-men tales you have like a, a soap opera going on you have love interests you have real world problems you have things that have nothing to do with mutant villains and this is kind of one of those problems that we're going to have to see how it's sorted out so you know logan makes a joke about slicing up the tax guy and and then we move on to later on that night where nightcrawler is in a dark room of the mansion watching that same talking tv personality that we had started the episode or excuse me we had started the issue with uh, and he says to storm the more things change the more they stay the same and he's just, you know, they're very worried by the speech and the, the ideas that are coming out of this lady's mouth. Uh, we then move on to uh, in the danger room where Rockslide and Hisako are training with uh, Prestige or Rachel Gray. And she reveals a little bit about why she chose a new code name. She wants to move forward and let go of the past. That Marvel girl or, you know, wherever other names she might go by or are kind of, you know, holding on too much to the past, whereas this team, while it's traditional classic stories, wants to move towards the future. It's going to be a really interesting thing to see how Mark Gungenheim does this. Uh, you know, obviously, just like when Force Awakens came out, you want to hit all of those nostalgic points, and you want to make sure that the, the, the crowd and the audience latches on to the story, but then quickly after, you want to give them something new. You want to give them your Rogue One. You want to give them the story that shows, oh man, this is where we're going next. And so I foresee that happening very soon, whether it's issue two, three, or four. I think we're going to get that indication of, yeah, you have a good classic feel to this, but it's not the X-Men you remember. This is a new version of those X-Men. And so um, the issue kind of starts wrapping up with Kitty in her office going through paperwork wondering if she should still be out in the universe with the guardians of the galaxy or if you know she made the right decision coming back to the x-men and while her and colossus are having an awkward conversation about their relationship news breaks that five villains or five people are attacking the united nations so uh, they all jump into the blackbird fly out into the middle of manhattan go to the un building where they're immediately confronted with the self-proclaimed Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. That's right, they call themselves the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And at the little uh, the letters page at the end of the book, Mark Guggenheim even says, whoever is to call themselves evil, people usually look at themselves as the good guy, no matter how bad what they're doing is. No one is a self-proclaimed evil person. Yet these five characters proclaimed themselves to be evil and apparently we're going to learn why uh, within future issues. So none of these characters are known. They're all new. One of them looks like Avalanche. One of them looks like Magma. Another one looks like, um, I'm trying to think. I don't have the comic in front of me right now. But they all look like a few villains that we know. But none of them are exactly that villain. So we'll see if these are people who have taken over the identities of previous supervillains. Or if they're brand new or what they are, I'm sure, in the next issue. So with that, as you can tell, um, I'm excited about this. I, I wasn't initially excited about Resurrection. I, I just thought to myself, oh, great, another revamp. You know, let's see how 
good this one goes, how well this one goes. But I, I, I kind of held back on, on fully being into it because it seemed almost gimmicky. But after having read the first one, X-Men Gold number one, super excited for X-Men Blue. I think Generation X is the one I'm most excited for because, I mean, that's I've been reading X-Men comics for 23 years now. And when I started, Generation X was the new cool thing. Um, and I loved it. I even loved the TV movie they made back in like 97 or 98, even how cheesy it was. But Jubilee will be back. She'll be leading a, a new team of kind of misfit younger X-Men like Quentin Quire and such. So that's cool. Cable sounds awesome. He's going to be a time cop, you know, time traveling throughout history and kind of being a, you know, an enforcer of the law. So that sounds like a really good use of his backstory. Um, Iceman and Jean Grey are the ones I'm least excited for. I feel like they're going to be a little bit unnecessary and probably canceled the earliest. But this whole resurrection thing started off with a good, good bang. And I have a good feeling about it from this point on. And I really, truly hope that the X-Men can regain some of their, you know, glory days of the 70s, 80s, and 90s where they were the top-selling comics. You know, their movie was one of the first of the comic book movies of the current age that really kicked off everything we know today with Marvel and DC doing what they're doing. The X-Men used to be huge, and I think they can be again. Uh, so if you haven't checked out X-Men Gold yet, I recommend it highly. So with that, this is Frank with GBN. Go to our website at geeksbroadcast.com where you can uh, find an entire plot synopsis with some images of X-Men Gold number one and subscribe to all of our podcasts uh, on the Geeks Broadcast Network. Geeksbroadcast.com, click on podcasts up in the top right and you'll find Geeks Talk, uh, the comic book Geeks Broadcast, the TV Geeks Broadcast, the movie Geeks Broadcast, and the Video Game Geeks broadcast. Some of them are a little sparse right now. We're still working on getting things up and running, uh, but keep an eye out. Big things are to come. Have a good day, y'all. Make sure to check out our website at geeksbroadcast.com and follow us on Twitter at GBN underscore Geek Network. Geek Broadcasting Network.